Hey guys, welcome to the second episode of the Bow Hunting Soul podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, before I start, I want to uh, say a couple thank yous um, to, uh, to a couple other you know podcasts out there that uh, that have kind of reached out and, and and kind of given me some information when I'm kind of new at starting out at this kind of stuff. Uh, the very first, the very first one I reached out was obviously Jason at uh, TBW Podcast. Uh, he helps me out tremendously. Uh, second guy, um, or guys were um, uh, Blaine Swanson and, and, and Matt uh, Baum at the uh, the um, the Lethal Podcast. They've answered some questions. They're just regular like podcasts, you know, like how to and equipment kind of related questions. Um, Primitive Pursuit, you know, those guys have reached out and. Uh, you know, offered offered advice and said, "Hey, if you have any questions, you know, let us know." This kind of that and the other guys are trad quest. So I, I really appreciate you guys, and because uh, I uh, I listen to you guys well every week. So anyway, uh, let's get into it. So today I wanted to talk about um, my last season and some lessons learned. Um, I had well. First of all, I'm going to do the cliche thing and say, you know, a season isn't uh, defined by, uh, you know, whether you actually, you know, kill an animal or not. We all say that. We all we all agree with, and I do. I love spending time outside. I love being outdoors. I love, uh, I I just love being out there and you know experiencing the hunt part of hunting rather than just the killing part of hunting. So. Um, but with that being said, I think you guys know, uh, freezer, you know, well, freezer's not empty, obviously. I mean, I still shop at the grocery store. I'm not one of these people that can say, you know, yeah, I, I hunt, you know, I, I don't go to the grocery store at all. That's just not feasible in my house. But um, I didn't uh, shoot anything last year. No deer, uh, no turkeys, not even, you know, not, not even a, you know, a duck or uh, a squirrel or rabbit or anything like that. But I learned a tremendous amount um, and it seems like every year I learn more and more uh, than, than the previous. And that's the way it really should be. It really should be like that. Now, my season started off, uh, I, I never usually, do, just because our um, the way our family works, the way our, our, our uh, what do you want to call it, our schedules are, I usually end up missing uh, opener as far as archery opener. Our archery opener in Minnesota opens up. Uh, I'm going to say, what is it? Uh, oh, September. It's like the first week of September. Sorry, the middle of September. I'm sorry. Uh, it's usually like the 16th, 18th, somewhere around there. So I wasn't able to go for that. But I do, you know, get, you know, a bunch of sits in, whether it's like a little short, like hour or two here or there. Or um, maybe like a half a dozen times last year, I was able to actually go and sit for maybe like a half a day and actually get that, you know, like real full bow hunting, you know, full on experience in. Um, I carried my trad bow most of the time. In fact, every time except twice. And I, and, and I didn't really have any uh, anything to do with whether I could or could not have shot anything or uh, you know, it, it really didn't have anything to do with my success or lack of success. Um, I also started the YouTube channel last year of the same name as this podcast, the Owning Soul uh, YouTube channel. And I was pretty new. You know, I, I am still pretty new to it. I'm still just filming on my iPhone, basically. Uh, but, you know, and I started carrying like more gear into the woods. Now, a lot of people will tell you that, uh, 
you know, carrying this stuff has cost them a deer and trying to get the shot rather than, you know, the shot on camera rather than, you know, the shot with, with their weapon is, is what's going to cost them a deer um, because of either extra movement or this and that. And for me, it wasn't, you know, the extra movement of, you know, moving a camera around with a camera arm or anything like that because I think we're going to go through bumps here. Remember, I'm in my car. Yeah. So, um, anyway... But it was more like, on one occasion, I think I titled it after, uh, after a line or after a little mini speech in, uh, I think it's good, the bad and the ugly, where I said, uh, if you're going to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Well, I was in a tree and I was doing a little mini kind of like, I don't know what you call it, like a little mini diary in a tree kind of thing. And I was talking about the the XOP tree stand that I was standing on and how the back of the uh, the back of the stand kind of like grips the tree and then the the bat, they, they don't call it a bat wing but whatever the XOP version of the bat wing is um, how you can kind of do you know offset in crooked trees and this whatever I was turned around I was talking and it was right at prime time I mean right at prime time you know sun was just I mean it was getting near like uh, uh, official sunset maybe just a little bit before official sunset, which is like absolutely, I mean, that's like, that's prime time, right? And I was in a perfect position and uh, next to, and you can actually hear it on video. I hear deer just blowing at me. I, I think it was just one, you know, but usually, I don't know. I don't even know if it was a buck. I can't tell if it was a doe. I have no idea, but I hear it blowing and I, in mid sentence, I'm, I'm, I'm explaining this thing. And I was trying to, you know, talk. I mean, you can't really talk into, you know, a microphone, uh, whispering, um, at least not as, you know, you, you, you can, you can do that, but you'd have to have the phone like right up to, right up to your uh, lips and people can't see anything, of course. So if you're going to actually film something, the phone has to be a little bit, you know, like arm's length or maybe whatever, a little farther away or closer in order to actually see you. And you got, you can't exactly talk in a whisper. So anyway, um, I think I am a hundred percent certain in my mind that that deer was coming from the way that I was expecting it to come and that it was going to walk right under my tree. And even if it had stopped at the tree line, uh, there was kind of a little bit of a clearing and I was in like a little bit of a, uh, well, it's tough to describe it. Anyway, it was a little bit of a clearing and it was maybe, I'm going to say, I can't remember what I said on camera, but I'm going to, um, I'm going to say maybe like 15 yards, 13 yards, I think if that, you know. And I think it would have stepped right out. And I was on the other side of the tree. It was going to come from behind me, which is, you know, what I wanted. I wanted a tree to hide my silhouette. And it was going to come out. And I, I heard a blowing. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it was either my movement or my talking. Uh, probably both. And it just blew. I didn't even see the deer. It just blew and uh, it, it skedaddled out of there. So... Uh, I was pretty bummed, but I was pretty happy that I was able to set up in a spot where I knew that the, that the deer were going to come from, but um, I just kind of blew it because I was too busy making a video. So anyway, but I learned from that. I think from now on, um, what I you know what what I started to do was if I was going to do anything like that, I was going to do any of those kind of. Uh, little mini vlogs or um, you know you know camera outtakes and things like that talking to the camera I was gonna do those or am gonna do those when it's not prime time you know I can do it you know let's just say the 
you know, the sun sets at six o'clock, I'd probably do it at about like four, four thirty, you know, unless I could really, really be confident that I can like whisper and, uh, you know, maybe, um, you know, may, maybe get some good audio in there. I've got a lavalier mic now. Uh, I wasn't using a lavalier mic. I haven't taken it in the field yet, but I've got a lav mic now that I'm probably going to use in situations like that where I can, you know, hold the phone at, a, at an arm's length, try not to make movement, and then whisper and it's or talk really, really uh, low, and then it's going to be able to pick up my audio, but not, uh, but I, but I don't have to talk very loud and you know spook game. So who knows? Um, I am looking to get a a camera set up too. But that's, uh, you know, it's just, it depends on what I want to invest in right now. You know, um, I'm just trying to make it work with what I got right now because I don't want to buy anything junk. I want to buy something decent that is, you know, worth, uh, you know, worth paying money for. Anyway, so that was one, one of those lessons. Now, I learned a bunch of other stuff during the season and that is related to actually scouting and following deer sign and where to be, uh, where, where, where I think deer are going to be and where I'm going to position myself. Now, I am on the Hunting Beast Forum, uh, which I think most of you guys listening on here are either, you know, you might be on the forum or you've heard of the Hunting Beast. And even though I'm, I'm not after, you know, big bucks, right? I mean, I keep saying, I don't care. I don't care what steps out, okay? For me, brown, it's down, um, doe, buck, you know, spike I don't care right it's it's meat for me it's meat but the things that though the concepts that Dan Infall teaches and those other guys at the hunting beast who are like really really experienced hunters the, the the lessons that they teach and the things that they talk about really apply to not just bucks but deer sign in general and you know buck sign big buck sign is to me is deer sign to me it's no more important or or less important than you know doe sign it's just different sign okay um it's important in the fact that i have i I can be able to distinguish it but not that you know what what's at the end of the rainbow for me you know is like oh you know it's only a doe or it's only this or i'm going after a buck i don't care now um i think the biggest ones for me last year that kind of clicked was uh, and, and and it's a and it's a yearly you know every season I learn more and more okay I'm gonna back up the first season I started doing that I started learning about you know swamp bedding and going out into 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 points and and and, and even little high um, just a little like high rise in elevation even if it's just by like a foot or two higher than the surrounding you know swamp or marsh you know and that's where bucks will want to be uh, I did know the bucks you know go and bed usually you know they're solitary where does will be in doe bedding groups and then the bucks will bed with you know usually like an, an obstacle or obstruction behind them but also in a position so that the wind is coming from behind them and um that way they can see in front of them and then smell what's going on behind them the danger that they can't see but they're visually hidden from behind um does will bed in doe groups now i'm generalizing here but this is usually what they do does will bed in doe groups and you could find those beds they're the ones that are more maybe even uh more in open spaces and they're kind of matted down and there's maybe like six or eight beds 
and they're kind of all over. Well, you know, they've got safety in numbers. They're they're kind of um, on uh, what's that? Uh, was a ph- phalanx? You know, where they're all um, uh, facing different directions and you know looking at threat potentially coming from different directions. Uh, they can smell from all directions and see all directions. And like I said, they've got safety in numbers. Um, I knew all that. What I didn't know was trying to distinguish, let's say, a day bed from, uh, you know, the actual like bedding, you know, like day bedding, like when they're down for a while versus just like partially like nighttime bedding where they're, um, you know, feeding, sitting down, maybe chewing their cud, um, taking a break for a while. It's a temporary bed. What I also, on the, on the buck side, what I also started to learn this year or actually put the pieces together was um, where they bed as far and, and their travel when it's in bluff country or when there's like hills. And that was a huge one for me because around here I have the, the public land I have access to is there's lots of swamps, lots of marsh, uh, lots of river bottom. But depending where I go, and I'm lucky enough to have, I have a bunch of WMAs and a, a bunch of wildlife refuges here that I can, that I can hunt very, very close by. And, and in some of these, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of in, in, in the same place where I might have like this uh, oak savanna, you know, plateau up top. And then uh, down low, uh, it, goes, it goes down into like, like a bluff and it goes down to like a river marsh or a river bottom marsh kind of deal. So it runs the gamut. And I was really able to put the pieces together on the bluff bedding or, or uh, you know, like hill thermal bedding or at least travel route um, on, on that front. I was, um, you know, I was expecting to see stuff in places I was expecting to see it, if that makes sense. And I did see it there. And that's really gratifying. I'll do uh, another podcast on that in depth. But, you know, we can talk about, you know, the, the, you know, the approximate one third up from the from, you know, from the top of the hill on the, um, you know, with, with the wind blowing across the, the bluff or the ridge or things like that. Uh, river bottom, bluff, uh, side hill, uh, you know, thermals, that kind of stuff. But I was able to find, yep, you know, for just, just learning, listening, listening to these guys and reading these guys talk and saying, okay, well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the pieces together here. Um, I was able to actually find a lot of those places, a lot of those travel corridors. I was able to uh, find a lot of the, um, the actual beds of these deer that were exactly where, if you follow the script, they're supposed to be. Now, a lot of places you're like, well, wow, what's this here? Uh, this doesn't make sense. Well, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out some of the stuff. But I'm more efficient in the places where I go. I'm not just aimlessly wandering around the woods uh, trying to figure out, you know, where to be. Again, I'm not, I mean, I'm rifle hunting maybe like one day, maybe two days a year. And I'm muzzleloader hunting maybe like, you know, two days, maybe three days a year. That's it. Um, the rest, so I'm not taking, you know, I, I'm not set, uh, you know, I'm not setting up in place where I can like, oh, I can shoot across this meadow or I can shoot across this huge field. Um, and it doesn't really matter, you know, how, how well I can pinpoint where deer are going to be and, and where they're going to travel to and from. No, I need to be 
you know, bow hunting clothes. I need to be traditional bow hunting, bow hunting clothes. Okay, because with a traditional bow, you are even closer than you would be with a compound. Now, for me, um, you know, that distance isn't all that different. Not that I can shoot far with my trad bow, but I just don't like shooting. You know, I, I don't think I would ever shoot far with my compound. Um, but for me, either way, that's, that's you know, a 20-yard max deal, I think. And I want to get close anyway, you know. You know, if, if, if I do have my compound and something comes out at 30 and, and I'm confident in it and whatever, that's fine. I'll probably take that shot. But A, I'm not hunting with my, with my compound um, for the most part. And B, uh, I just, I'd, I'd rather be somewhere where I can, you know, just really get up close and personal and just be that surprise, uh, take that surprise shot really, really close and really, really hidden. So that's what I'm working on as a hunter. And being able to get to those places is, you know, it takes work. It takes scouting. It takes, you know, boots on the ground. Now, granted, I am lacking in scouting just because I'm, I'm limited on time. Um, you know, you can say it's an excuse, whatever, that's fine. But I don't have the time to go out, you know, in the spring and do all, you know, a lot of the scouting. I end up scouting, you know, while I'm hunting. Um, and I'll keep that as, you know, in the, in the mental Rolodex for, you know, for, for future future endeavors so anyway i found more places i got closer uh to trails and to um you know the travel paths and to beds and uh more hot spots let's call them than i have uh in previous years i've also uh been able to observe if i wasn't in the right place i've actually observed deer you know uh even in, in turkey season for example i was able to observe deer um in places going places and at the time of day that I did not expect and you know that all just kind of goes in the you know in the mental bank there and you know I'm one of these days I'm going to put together the whole puzzle piece for some of these things some some of them still don't make a whole lot of sense but I need more you know maybe it could just be a fluke maybe they just it just went that way because they felt like it or something something else bumped them that way um so I'm taking it all in, but I'm not, you know, writing it down as gospel that just because I saw one time deer do this one thing, that that's what they're always going to do. But as far as all the rest of the stuff goes, with you know, with with thermals and wind and all this and that, it's all started to click, and I've gotten a whole lot closer. Um, so anyway, going back, I blew that one shot on on that one deer. Uh, what I've also gotten better at is being more efficient with my tree stand setup. Um, I will go through a full tree stand setup in another podcast. I'm using the XOP Vanish. Uh, I like it. I don't love it, but I like it. Kind of wish I'd bought a Lone Wolf Assault. And I've got the uh, Hawk Helium Sticks. And I carry that either with my backpack I'll strap to my backpack, or earlier on, I might just have the you know the Molly hip belt and the and, and the and the like backpack straps to it. I've gotten more, way more efficient and comfortable climbing a tree and being in a tree. I'm not that. I wouldn't. I'm not scared of heights, but I'm not that comfortable moving around and doing things on a metal platform. Um, you know, 15, 16 feet in the air, and I get about 16 feet or so. 15, 16 feet, I think, is kind of where I'm at. Uh, I've gotten way more comfortable being up there and in being in different positions and in being able to draw my bow. Now that's changed a little bit too, of course, when I started taking 
my recurves up there. It's not as bad if I have my Kodiak Magnum, which is a 52-inch bow. But when I have my 59 Kodiak, which is a 60-inch bow, well, guess what? That takes a little more doing. That takes a little more um, uh, planning ahead. And, you know, it's not insurmountable, but it, you just got to be a little more careful. Uh, the way I walk through the woods with all that stuff on my back is better. The way I do it in the dark in the morning uh, is better. And the way I, I tear down at night, let's say, in the dark is better. Uh, I can set up at the base of the tree quicker and more quietly and more efficiently. And, you know, just, organization helps. I know, like, I always put, you know, this thing in this pocket. And I do it in this order, and I lay them down this way. I, you know, I might take some bungees off, and I always lay them down, you know, back behind me to the left, so they're not going to get caught up on the next thing I'm going to take off. You know, the big, big stack of whatever I happen to be um, uh, undoing. So, anyway, that's gotten way, way better. Up and down the tree has gotten to be way, way better. My equipment, as far as um, uh, my lineman's belt and my ascender unit, uh, you know, that I that, that I built that's working amazing so all of this has kind of added to my season i've never come out of there going man what a bummer you know this this really sucked it's like oh you know if i go up and down the tree more efficiently and with less sweat than i did the time before i'm like yeah hell yeah i'm this is working you know i'm, I'm doing i'm doing this much better and, and that makes me really really happy now another thing that i've learned uh the last year and the year before was the use of milkweed. Again, thanks to uh, Hunting Beast and Dan Infault, I think everyone uh, in the know now that follows any kind of uh, any of these podcasts or, you know, they know about milkweed. Now, milkweed grows, for those of you who don't know, milkweed grows in, uh, it's a lot of Midwest, I think maybe, I don't know if it's in the South or not, but it's in a good good chunk of this country. And it it, flo- it it grows in river bottom kind of kind of marshy areas. Although I do find them, uh, you know, this year I did a video I never put out actually because it ended up not not very nice. But um, I I did find them in kind of oaky, grassy grassland areas. Uh, you just got to know what to look. For. If you guys want to go look for for milkweed, go look online and see what milkweed actually looks like and what it looks like when it's uh, when it's growing. You usually pick it. Um, it's in these bulbs and it grows, I don't know, I'm going to say chest high sometimes, but then they start to droop, you know, like the, the, the plant itself starts to kind of curl over and droop and they've got a bunch of pods on there. Um, they look like, like a half of a heart, you know, like if you want to look at like your typical, like, you know, Valentine's day heart kind of uh, shape, um, this look kind of looks, almost looks like, a. Uh, a half of a heart it's, it's kind of tough to describe but go go look at it and you open up the pod and it's got these little uh fluffs in there okay with little seeds attached inside of them well those little white fluffs okay when you dry them out and i think you can pick them they're ready to they're they're ready for picking if you will uh you know august you know july august sometime around there and you take them and you open them up and you dry them out just let them sit in your garage don't bring them inside the house because those little fluffs there are they are super, super light, and they float, you know, forever, right? And that's the point. It's supposed to be like a wind indicator. Now, a lot of people will use uh, like like baby um, a baby powder in uh, in a little puff uh, squeeze, uh, you know, puff bottle kind of thing. Well, that's great, but if you ever notice that that puff of powder dissipates in about I don't know ten yards if you're lucky, it goes that far, you know. 
it gives a localized uh, wind like right around you. I mean like literally right around you. But when you toss a couple of these uh, milkweed, you know, puffs into the air, man, it's like a little white flag. It's light. It's lighter. Well, it's not lighter than air, but it's super, super light. And it, the wind, the thermals, not just, it doesn't be windy. The thermals carry it for a long, long way. And then you can actually see what your wind is actually doing 50, even 100 yards away. Probably even more if you can see it, okay? Um, a lot of times it'll, you know, if you're in heavy uh, brush or cover or whatever, it'll get, you know, it'll float a while and then, like, you know, get caught up in some branches or leaves or or what have you. But it, it's, it's invaluable. You can actually just toss that in the air. You give it a little poof, you know? Um, and then the thermals or the wind will carry it away. And then you can see, like localized, you might think that the wind is blowing in a certain direction. Let's say you're standing there and like, oh, the wind is blowing east. And you can do your puff bottle and then it goes, you know, toward the east a little bit and dissipates after a little while. And you convince yourself, oh, well, that's, you know, that's where the uh, that's where the wind's going. Well, let's say then if that dissipates in like seven, eight, ten yards, if you were to then, but you'd never know what the wind does after that. If you, if you were to uh, toss milkweed a couple of milkweed uh, you know puffs into the air you watch that yeah it'll it'll mimic what the powder does for about seven eight ten yards and then lo and behold you're like oh wow all of a sudden it hits um you know there's a thermal coming up this way and then the and then it rises or it does like a hard left and it's you know and, and it swoops and turns and, and and meanders it's almost like a uh you know sense kind of like a river going through obstacles it's kind of like that and you'd be amazed when you follow this 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 little white flag floating in the air <coughs> excuse me and what you thought the way the direction that you thought that your wind was going is really not going it's going that way for a very very localized distance but let's just let's just say it makes a turn and goes toward a direction that you do not want your wind to go in but you think you're safe right here because you're only looking at a puff bottle but you toss the milkweed and you're like, oh, after about 10 yards, it makes a hard turn this way. And for some reason, the way that, you know, the winds channel through there or the thermals or, you know, just, um, you know, terrain features. And it makes it go in a direction that you don't want it to go. Or conversely, you may think your wind is not good. You're like, oh, man, it's it's blowing this way. Well, let's say let's say it dissipates again in like, you know, six, 10 yards or whatever. But after that it makes a turn or go straight up for example if you're near you know if you're near like a water source and the water's heated up during the day and it goes straight up because of the thermal and nothing will smell you and by the time they come in at 10 yards they're going to be dead so it's 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 really really amazing um i taught there's a video when i'm uh hunting some some kind of bluff down into a marsh can't remember which uh, which video which video that is and in the beginning of the video you know it's you know mid-afternoon or whatever and i drop milkweed and i'm 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 explaining how the thermals are going up the ridge are going up the hill because the sun's out and it's heating up the air and then the air goes you know uphill not an hour and a half later maybe i think yeah maybe like an hour and a half maybe two hours later i drop more milkweed after the sun has gone down and just like I say, you know, to the camera, hey, I think this is going to go down. I think, you know, if I drop some milkweed and sure enough, I drop that milkweed and then that uh, milkweed gets carried down the slope because the sun has gone down. The air is cooling down 
it's not heat it's not heating up the air up the slope of this bluff and the thermals instead of going up the air is sinking it's going down so that's helped me just to no amount to no end knowing that you know if, if I do something uh, you know a, a certain way and I set up a certain way that you know I can confirm what I'm doing is right and where my scent is going with the milkweed so that's definitely a bonus um, another thing you know what another thing that I learned last year was other hunters now we've all been told for the last several years um, I don't know it's been popular maybe five six years for now to say that well you know just go deeper than everyone else you know you get back you know even like a few hundred yards off the trail you know you're gonna be 90% of hunters you're gonna be, be past them well maybe but that's changed a lot because of these like beast style hunting tactics and you know stuff you see on YouTube where guys going in deep uh, you know here you know I can go I've gone in like a mile and a half two miles and I've looked at a tree and like, man, that is perfect. I, I really want to be in that tree. So I get up to that tree. I walk up to that tree. <clears throat> and sure enough, I see little marks. Either I see like the actual tree stand in there, which you're not supposed to leave on public property. Or I'll see the marks where someone has, has used a climber or, um, uh, you know, a tree steps or whatever. And you can tell when a hunter has been there. And you're like, son of a bitch. Someone has been back here, you know. Uh, good for them. I mean, this is public land. Good for them for being, you know, going deep and all this and that. But I think gone are the days when when people don't go uh, super deep to get away from other hunters. I think you can do that, but I think you need to do that a little more cautiously um, because you know other hunters will probably have been there it's no longer the days where you know you you know you have a, a monopoly on, on on going in deep and being in places where other people aren't so the smarter thing to do now um, and in, in some in some instances not every instance but the smarter thing to do is just go where people aren't not necessarily uh, deeper than everybody else because sometimes, like I said, that doesn't work. I've been super, super deep. And no matter how far you walk, there's always some sort of access from somewhere else. I've gone in, you know, like I said, a mile and a half, mile and three quarter, one particular place. I'm like, man, this is a perfect spot. Well, it came to that one perfect spot. Like I said, I saw a tree stand set up there. Then I pushed a little bit farther. And I pushed a little bit farther and I saw another tree stand there. And I pushed a little bit farther. And this is kind of in a, in a river bottom kind of area and you know I, I'm kind of close to the river at this point but it's up on a bluff you know but you know, I don't have a I don't have a boat I don't have I'm not gonna have river access but yeah I'm, I'm listening to something and I'm like what the hell is that oh it's a, it's a, it's a it's a guy in a boat and he's basically like combing the shoreline he's coming up and trying to see where he could land his boat and you know access the same chunk of land that I'm on by boat lots of guys well not lots of guys but i mean guys do that now now for me uh no thanks i'm not going on a river you know fast flowing and it is a pretty kind of fast flowing river on any kind of boat i'm sorry not doing it um especially not solo the the whole me and flowing water thing just eh, no 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 thanks no not really into it but 
guys do it and they come in you know the, the whole river access thing has become huge there's uh lots of people that are on on this 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 river access um uh, kick now it's become really popularized and it's a very very effective way to get in not bring a lot of scent get in relatively quickly or quicker and you know kind of shortcut instead of having to walk through to you know two miles of brush and woods and tangles and in swamps or whatever you just kind of you know meander through the river and come in so they're going to end up in the same spots that i'm going to end up in but you know i don't have a monopoly on the place so I'm still playing the game of how to hunt other hunters. Obviously, not taking shots at other hunters, but you know what I mean. We're not. You got. You, you got to hunt the hunter, right? Not only just hunt the deer, but you need to know where the other people are. You need to know where other pressure might come from, and you don't necessarily need to be, you know, two miles in. Sometimes, yeah, you know, and we all want to sit there and brag, and you know, when we when we talk to people or whatever like, yeah you know i hiked in two miles and you know stand on my back this that and the other well sometimes you don't need to do that sometimes you only need to hike in like a couple hundred yards with with all that stuff and and set up because someone else is much deeper and someone else is putting you know some sort of weird pressure and uh you know it's just it's just better to be where other people aren't the deer don't care how far or how little you walk they don't care. They just want to be away from where other people are, where other dangers are. So that I'm still trying to get a kind of uh, a handle on. Not necessarily uh, been super successful heading off other hunters um, or avoiding them because sometimes I'm in there and I run into them. I'm like, ah, okay, well, I didn't know you were back here. What are you going to do? It's public land. I do the same thing. You know, I would do the exact same thing. But that's just, you know, one more thing that, that I learned that there's, there's way more people out there than I think there is. Um, and even if they are not out there, a lot of times people will, again, they're not supposed to, people will leave their stands or a blind or something like that out there for the deer to see. And they'll visit that exact same stand over and over again, or they'll go to that ground blind over and over again. And, you know, the deer avoid those places. And also the places I hunt, uh, it's near, you know, there, there's all kinds of trails and stuff there as far as like hiking and, and walking trails and biking trails. Uh, it's a pretty active area around here. There's, lot, I mean, there's lots of, um, you know, paved and, and semi-paved, uh, you know, meandering trails that go from where I live to all the way down to the Twin Cities, which is, you know, like 30, 40 miles away. There's a, there's a huge network of um, uh, like, like a trail system which is great if you're like an outdoor person, if you're a biker, hiker, that kind of stuff. Now, obviously, you can't walk around with that with a bow in hand. Um, but the deer are used to certain amount of activity with people around. And that's one of the other things I noticed is, you know, I started riding a bike, um, a, a, a mountain bike. Nothing special. It's like a $50 Target special, you know. Uh, nothing super light. It'd be nice if it was lighter, but... Uh, these these deer are used to seeing people on bikes they're used to seeing people uh, in, in some cases even on horseback you know on some horse trails they're used to uh, joggers and they're not super scared of them because they're smart enough to know i think that they don't pose a threat because they stay on their trails they stay where they're supposed to stay now you take 
even you know five steps off of an established trail and I'm sure they're gonna run away you know deer will let you run by ride by walk by sled by snowmobile by whatever uh, you know bedded you know 10 yards away in, in into the brush they'll sit there they'll watch you you can see them they won't move they'll be curious they'll kind of put up their head and kind of look around and there'll be a couple of them or a bunch of them and you know you can go on your merry way and they know you're there and they're kind of wary of you but they don't really do anything but the minute you start acting like you know not a, a jogger hiker biker and you start acting like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually enter into the woods well then they're gone but access to get relatively close or deep into places can be accomplished with with a bicycle with with a mountain bike you ride in uh, it's good exercise uh, you ride in and you know then you can ditch the bike somewhere again $50 bike so if something happens to it get stolen whatever uh, you know not the end of the world not that I want that to happen but then you can then you can go into into predator mode then you can go into hunter mode and start sneaking in and get off the trail but you've saved yourself even you know if, if you're limited on time even you've saved yourself you know 20 minutes a half an hour of walking by just bicycling in you know you can cover a lot of territory on a bicycle and instead of having to walk in and trudge through that kind of stuff you can bike in get a chunk of uh, the traveling done and then then you can get off and be in in hunter mode so uh, that that's helped out I didn't really use the bike as much as I wanted to last year but it's just one more piece of the arsenal like okay if I'm gonna go in I'm gonna do this I have this amount of time you know what do I want to do and how do I want to do it okay well I've got all these tools I got all these tools that that, that, that I use right a bike is one of them a tree stand is one of them um, you know a ground blind let's say for turkeys is one of them so you know there's all these tools in your arsenal so go ahead and use them and I've learned to use them more efficiently um, Another time that I actually, another lesson that I learned was another time that I blew what I think would have been a really good chance. Again, this was on, uh, not, I wasn't on video at the time, but I was videoing this hunt. It was a late season hunt and I'd gone in and I found this really sweet place. They were, uh, uh, there was, there was, it was, it was a marsh and it's surrounded by a decent size, you know, river on one side and a little creek a little small ditch creek on another side on two sides and then across the creek was some private land and where I was set up uh, I'm definitely gonna set up in a tree stand there I was set up on the ground and again I I moved because I heard something my back was to the tree or the tree was behind me and they were gonna come from behind me and you know I kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together saying okay I think this is what's gonna happen I think if they come I think they'll come from behind me I think they'll cross uh, the creek I think they'll come uh, you know up you know down down their side of the bank and up my side of the bank and hopefully I'll get a shot uh, I only had like one or two like windows maybe even one window real window now if these deer had crossed I don't know if they would have seen me draw on the ground because I didn't have great cover it was late season not a lot of foliage foliage down but I was leaning against the tree I heard something and I turned and I startled I, I, I turned around and I know better than to do that I turned around 
and they saw me turn around and move. Otherwise, I would have been hidden behind. It was a nice size, uh, nice size tree. And sure enough, there was like four does, and they were on the other side of that creek, up on the up on the top of the bank. And they turn around, a turn tail. They didn't even blow at me. They just kind of turned flags up and ran the other direction. I think what was going to happen was they were coming from that field. They were going to come down and cross the little creek. It wasn't very deep. And deer will cross like deep river, uh, deep, deep water anyway. Um, this would have been nothing for them. They could have probably jumped over this thing. But I think what was going to happen is they were going to come down. They were going to come down their side of the ditch, cross the creek, go up my side of the ditch. And I probably would have had, uh, I'm going to say maybe like a 10 yard shot. Um, and that didn't end up happening because what happened was, like I said, I scared them and they never came down their side of the ditch at all. And I was kicking myself because I know better. That's like a rookie move. Um, normally, I don't jump and turn my head right away when I hear when I hear something. But that's exactly what I did. I turned around. There was uh, uh, three of them there standing there and another one kind of looking startled. And when the three of them took off, the fourth one took off. But I firmly believe that at least I would they would have been within 10 yards of me. And then after that, if I didn't blow the shot or they didn't see me draw, um, you know, I might have had a shot at them. But again, not a total loss. Not a total loss because... I know that in that one particular spot, there's deer. They're coming from the direction that I that I thought they were going to come from because I was putting the pieces of the puzzle together, and I made an assumption, and I you know made a you know what's the scientific thing like a hypothesis or whatever, and sure enough, yep, they followed the script, and I was really happy, you know, after that encounter, because I'm like, man. I, to me, I did it, right? I figured it out. I think they're going to come this direction. I think they're going to do this. And if I set up here, I'll get a perfect shot. And everything went right up until the point of I turn around and I startled them because they were about to cross that, that, that creek because that's the direction they were coming. I scared them off the other way. But now I know to set up in that exact... And I'm actually passing that area right now as we speak in the car. I'm looking across and... Uh, it's about, I don't know, a half a mile in to my right here. But for next year, I'm going to uh, be able to put up a tree stand right there. I know the shooting lanes I have. I know the shooting lanes I have when the foliage is up, and I know the shooting, shooting lanes I'm going to have when uh, you know all the leaves are down. I also, in that place, found uh, a really, really good uh, buck sign, a uh, nice... Uh, 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 rub line that goes on for quite a while decent size and i know that i'm going to be set up and if i don't set up on that first spot i was telling you about i have options down that way near near that one spot where i blew that opportunity to be set up on the ground or potentially in a tree along that rub line now i don't know if that if if, if a buck is going to come you know and, and go and do the same thing that those does were doing. I don't know if he's coming from the same spot, but that's kind of like a hotbed area. Now, buck sign and rubs and scrapes, everything, they're, they're not always, you know, the end-all be-all. I understand that. And you need to understand that. Some of those things are done at night. Some of those things are done, you know, in, in a very short amount of time. And you may not even be there uh, during uh, hunting or legal hunting hours to be able to capitalize on it. But it's in the back of your mind, and you have yet another spot, and yet another piece of the, another piece of the puzzle, together. So, one more thing in the bank. 
And the last thing I'm going to talk about, I think, well, yeah, last thing I'm going to talk about is the importance of good gear. Now, I'm not a gear junkie as far as I need to have the latest and greatest uh, boots and, uh, you know, pants and, and jackets and, and whatnot, right? But I do like having a certain amount of, you know, a certain few key pieces that that work well for me, that's not bulky, that I can layer really well on and off, that is useful in a, in a variety of situations. I like multi-use items. I don't want to just carry, um, you know, like a heavy, heavy jacket because that heavy, heavy jacket is only good for one thing when you're sitting there for a long extended period of time. But if I'm hunting mobile and I'm in and out and it's going to be cold in the morning and not so cold and then cold again, you know, I much prefer to be, you know, in, uh, in garments that, that will work across a, a wide, ver- you know, range of temperatures, but also being able to take off and layer and being able to, you know, not, not be so bulky, both on me and in my pack because I'm carrying everything in and out. Okay, so what does that then look like as far as, um, you know, good gear and, um, you know, good, good garments and things like that? Well, first of all, I got to tell you, you know, not a Rockefeller, right? So I'm not going to spend a whole ton of money on, on things that are just exorbitantly priced. Now, I really like, uh, you know, like the high-end technical clothing, right? I mean, Sitka's got great stuff. First Light's got great stuff. Um, I own a couple of Kuyu things. They got great stuff. Um, but all of these things I, I am, I'm finding on sale. I'm going to, I'm going to say that from the get go. I don't mind spending a decent amount of money for this stuff if it's on sale and if I can find it at the right price. However, um, I, you know, I, there's, you know, there's no way I'm going to spend, you know, like $700 on, on like the coldest cold weather, uh, Sitka parka or whatever they have. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm just not going to do it. So with that being said, I have a few key pieces that I've kind of put together that have worked for me in these last few years that um, I'm going to talk about. Now, I'll get into like a layering system, like a full layering system in another, uh, in another episode. Um, we might go a little bit more in, you know, in depth into it and then do like a little you know, compare and contrast kind of thing. But just a few key pieces I want to outline right now is uh, I, I, I've mentioned it in my videos before. Hey, by the way, before I go on anymore, you, you might have noticed the, the audio kind of uh, changing uh, the way it sounds in the background. I'm trying out different microphones. Um, you know, some of this is in my car with like a recorder. Some of this is uh, through a lavalier mic uh, directly to my laptop. So as I'm kind of kind of feeling my way through this whole, uh, uh, you know, technical stuff with, with the podcasting, you're going to have to... Uh, kind of come along with, on, on the journey with me here on, on <laughs> when I figure this stuff out. But anyway, um, okay, so starting off, I, I've said for a long time that uh, my number one, I guess, indispensable piece from probably from like mid-season to, you know, definitely through late season is my first light on Compagre jacket. Um, this is made out of, that, of what their proprietary or whatever um, fabric company they use, uh, Tor, not Torre, that's Kuyu, uh, is, it's called a, a 37.5 by Kokona. I don't know what the hell that means. Um, these people do a really bad job of explaining, um, 
you know, what, what it really is. And I'm not just talking first light. I'm talking Sitka. I'm talking Kuyu. Cause you look, you look at any of these people's websites and all the jargon is their ad speak. It's uh, it's not like, you know, this is the coldest, this is the warmest, this is lightweight, this is not, this is windproof, this is not. You got to read through, and they all sound the same, and it's really, really frustrating. But the Uncompagre, and they've got, and they got different jackets now. They've got, you know, um, uh, you know, honestly, I, I, I haven't really gone through their, their website in a while because I'm just so happy with this thing. But the Uncompagre came out maybe four or five years ago. More than that, actually, about five, maybe five, six, I don't know. I've had mine for about four years. And it's super light. It compresses down to nothing. And it's one of those must-haves, right? I mean, on a warm day or mid-season day, if I'm walking with this thing, I'm sweating. It's not waterproof, but it's water-resistant enough. But, man, I'm telling you, if you go and you walk around and then you, then you sit down and you put this thing on, you don't get cold. Um, I can wear this thing, you know, when I'm layered up underneath with other, you know, insulating layers or, you know, uh, base layers and things like that. I can wear it well in the late season if I'm doing, you know, uh, still hunting or kind of like stop, start, stop, start kind of hunting, you know. So uh, that for me, what, that wasn't necessarily an eye opener for this year. Uh, it was an eye opener uh, when I first got the thing. Like, I mean, I got it on sale for like 150 bucks, and I think originally they were selling for like 250 or whatever, which is still expensive. A lot of you guys are saying I'm not going to spend 150 bucks for like a um, a little puffy jacket, but I'm telling you guys, this this thing is. I mean, it 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 has proven itself not only to me but to the hunting world for years. So the, it, it's a must-have. I'll, I'll delve deeper into into this uh, later. Um, another one I really, another thing I started to implement this year was a vest. I didn't take the vest all the time. I got a. Uh, um, it's a. It's not a down vest. It's a synthetic insulation vest that I got from Cabela's, again, on sale. And I bought it with my Cabela's points, right? I mean, I, uh, I use my credit card for all that stuff. I pay it off at the end of the month or, or, or throughout the month, and then I gain points, right? A lot of you guys probably have the same card or the Bass Pro one or whatever. And, um, yeah, this, this one is, is really good. It was, it was cut a little bit long for me. I'm going to do a full review on it, but it's kind of getting in the summer now. Or summer, yeah, no, um, you know, spring now, and and it's it's probably not the best time to do a review on a cold weather uh, vest, but it 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 ups the insulation game a lot. And if you're just going to wear a vest sometimes with a long sleeve, um, let's say you know early early season or like you know spring for turkey or something like that, that'd be you know it, it it's really great. Um, another, I don't know if it's a revelation. But another thing I tried the last two years now is I've been wearing these uh, lacrosse um, uh, lacrosse boots. They're the Arrowheads. I'd never had um, uh, rubber boots before, and these have proven their worth. The the, the the tread isn't all that great. It's not you know very. Uh, the tread isn't. It, it needs to be blockier. Okay, it doesn't have a whole ton of grip sometimes. Um, but as far as uh, you, you know, walking through you know, deep water, not super deep water, obviously, but, you know, these are like 18 inches high. It's, it's proved well, but, it, but, it, but it's proven its worth, not only for that, but I was wearing it actually um, during last uh, turkey season, and I found that I could tuck my pants in. I'm, I'm paranoid. I am paranoid about turkey, about uh, ticks. Um, so I could tuck my pants into these things, you know, tape them up on the outside if I needed to, and it's easier, I mean, you've got basically like 18 inches, you know, up where, you know, you can see if there's anything on you. Um, also walking in the morning when it's dew, when it's dew out, when you're walking through grass, all that, 
all, all the leaves, all the, all the grass, when you're walking through it, 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 it constantly like sweeps and pushes into uh, your foot. If you're wearing a normal, um, normal boots or leather boots or ones that aren't you know, waterproof or water resistant, it'll slowly start to push in and you got like wet feet. I hate having wet feet. Um, so I've, I've been able to get good uh, all-round use, not just, just cold weather or like mucky weather uh, use out of these boots, but I'm, I'm still, I still don't like them. I st- as far as, as, as much as like a regular, you know, like, like mid high, uh, mid ankle, you know, hunting boot. But, um, that is actually get, you know, being able to just put those things on and off really quick and just get into the woods. It saves me time. Like I said, sometimes I can just go in and I, and I got to hunt for, I don't know, maybe I got an hour to do it and I don't want to, and it may sound stupid, but I don't want to spend two minutes or three minutes lacing up my boots. You know, when like regular boots, these just slip on, slip off, and I can go. So um, that's, that's, that's really been kind of a time saver for me. Um, a couple other things as far as gear is related is, uh, like I said, I've kind of got my, uh, my tree stand set up uh, working the way I want it. Uh, I, I tried a bunch of things this year. Uh, that will be another whole podcast. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that earlier in this one or in this podcast or not. If this is kind of co- over the course of the few days I'm recording this, but um, my, my 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 setup has changed for that, or at least the way I carry in and carry out. And um, you know, I've, I've tried a bunch of different things, and I've settled on you know one particular system. And you know, I've tried to cut things out sometimes, and th- sometimes we got to come to the realization that no matter how much weight we tried to cut out or bulk we try to cut out, sometimes it makes it just that much more easier to actually, you know, at the base of the tree, once you're there, um, you know, carrying it in, that kind of stuff to set up. If you just have some of these extra little things with you, and I guess that's the biggest takeaway as far as you know that goes for me. It wasn't necessarily like the individual pieces of gear. But just being okay with the fact that you're not going to be like super, super ultralight sometimes for your running gun setup. Sometimes you just got to suck it up and be like, okay, th- I know it, it might be a little bit bulkier walking in, or I might, you know, have, uh, um, you know, may, may not be super streamlined, but it's going to help me tremendously at the base of the tree when I've got everything there and I've got everything organized and I can go up and I can go down. And then more importantly, you know, at the end, at the end, especially if I'm, you know, doing like an evening sit or whatever come down and stuff packs away easily and I don't have to worry about things, you know, um, clanging and rattling. Uh, not that I worry about that on the way out, but on the way in I do, but you know, on the way out, it's dark. You can't, you can't see if like something falls off. I mean, if you're carrying the stuff on your back and you've got, uh, you know, your sticks and stand and, you know, uh, backpack and, you know, maybe other clothes or whatever, you want a system that holds everything together. And some guys just try to minimize it with just a couple bungees. And for me, that's not working. Um, the, the security, you know, in the tree, um, it w- wasn't working with this particular stand. And I'll get deeper into it because it doesn't lock as well as, as uh, I've heard that the lone wolves do, you know, to the tree. So, you know, I've resorted to like a ratchet strap. But then, then that ratchet strap um, doubles as, uh, you know, be, uh, attaching, it, attaching it to my you know, the sticks and the, the sticks and everything like that all together when I'm coming in and out. So anyway, that's kind of a, not necessarily a revelation, but more like an evolution. But uh, the revelation is I'm okay with not having the absolute most perfect setup. 
Um, the other thing is you might have different setups for early season versus late season. I can get away with like a really small backpack. You know, I pack like a girl. I'm sorry. I can't go in there uh, like some of these guys do with just like, you know, a flashlight, you know, a compass and a pocket knife and stand on my back. I can't, I can't do that. I need to have, you know, early season, like I said, I need to have like tick spray, mosquito spray, because I'm a magnet for those goddamn things. Um, I need to have, uh, you know, some, 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 you know, extra orange uh, on me if I'm going to be, you know, potentially small game hunting, you know, coming in and out of there during DC deer season, because I got to have that in there. Anyway, I, I need a bag. I need that kind of stuff. But at least I can minimize it. So I can't, uh, I can't quite do just one whole system because... Um, it doesn't make sense to carry like a bigger pack all the time when I'm not going to have bulkier clothes and bigger things in there early season. But it doesn't take me long to switch to that thing. After a month, maybe I'm, I'm using my, my bigger pack. So, you know, those, those are the, uh, I, th- I think they're, they're going to be like the biggest takeaways for me. Um, I think, you know, to recap without, you know, going over, going over too much stuff again, um, I'd have to go back and probably listen to this thing, but, uh, you know, just terrain, wind, thermals, um, you know, trusting your gut and, you know, anticipating where, where, you know, anticipating where these, these animals are going to be and then just trying new things and then just keep working on your gear and then learning from your failures. I think that's like super, super, super important. So, um, I think that's all I have for this episode. Um, if you guys have any comments or anything like that, you know, please uh, you know post them up on the Bowhunting Soul uh, Facebook group. I'd like to hear it. Go ahead and uh, uh, check out the uh, the YouTube channel too, Bowhunting Soul. I've got you know a bunch of stuff on there, and um, I, I keep posting videos. And you know, aside from just, you know, hunting related stuff on there, you know, I've got some cooking related stuff. And, and lately I've done a couple posts on, uh, you know, I'm going through this like weight loss deal, you know, where um, I'm trying to shed a bunch of pounds and it's going pretty successful for me. So um, a couple other videos like that, you know, and it's not, no, it's not me, you know, in the gym huffing and puffing and, you know, with, uh, you know, sponsor, uh, you know, cut off t-shirts or anything like that and flat brim hats. No, I'm, I'm just talking about how I make my keto coffee in the morning. So Anyway, um, I'd love to hear about your guys' uh, what, you, what you guys have learned this year and how you're going to apply it to next year. So leave all those comments in those places I talked about on Instagram. I'm uh, bow, bow hunting soul, bow hunting underscore soul, I believe. And uh, if you want to check out some t shirts, um, you can do it in a couple places. You can look it up on Amazon at the merch store. And I believe I'm under bow hunting soul there or stick shirts, I can't remember. But on Teespring, um, the storefront is Bowhunting Soul. Um, the way Teespring does it, it's kind of weird. You need to, you know, sell a whole bunch of them for it to be, uh, you know, f- popping up on people. So I almost have to, like, d- direct people directly to the shirts. But uh, Bowhunting Soul is, is the uh, storefront. Go check it out there, and then you can look it out. You can search for it also on uh, on, on Merch by Amazon, but... Uh, Still trying to sort all that stuff out. So anyway, hope you guys have a great week and I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks.